0: New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.
1: The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Safe, the home security company that believes nothing should come between you and protecting your home. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about my own experience with Simply Safe. Until then, snuggle up with a nice warm blanket, get cozy, and say your prayers. Simply Safe might help you keep safe from dangers of the human variety. But we didn't say anything about the otherworldly. Right? <laughs> Stay tuned, the show's about to begin. Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 12. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about losing one's religion, occult occupations, paranormal parishioners, and learning lessons the hard way. You're listening to the Standard Edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now it's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. And the show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening, from author Sandra Varela, is the first of an epic two-part series. The second part of the tale will follow the first tonight. Without further ado, I present to you, Heavensville. Part 1 Heavensville was stunning to look at, with tall and lush trees lining the sidewalks, beautiful forests and lakes, surrounding almost every corner, and gorgeous, low-priced homes for its residents that stood on one-dollar plots. The folks of Heavensville were polite and kind, albeit a bit quirky at times. We really couldn't have made a better decision. My wife and I were incredibly happy to finally be homeowners in this place. Coincidentally, all the residents of Heavensville seemed equally happy and perpetually smiley. And how could they not be? They lived in a place straight out of a catalogue. At first, we did find it a bit unnerving, how perfect it all seemed. But we slowly grew to fit right into the mold of things. With incredibly cheap and delicious restaurants all over town, breathtaking nature right outside our front door, free movies at the park at least three times a week, a local clinic with all the amenities, free yoga and meditation classes, and two dozen other perks. There was really nothing we could find wrong with Heavensville. Well, except for one thing. The people of Heavensville seemed to really love starting bonfires. And when I say love, I mean that there was a bonfire almost every night in most backyards. The odd thing was that there was no fire department in the town, which we found to be rather dangerous, given the amount of daily fires that were started. The smells from the fires wouldn't have bothered us if it weren't for the fact that everyone seemed to love to cook goats in the fires, which left a strong pungent odor in the air. In fact, the residents of Heavensville really seemed to love goats in general. Goat cheese, goat meat, goat milk... Everything goat one evening, the goats seemed particularly loud, almost as if they were being tortured. Do you think they're cooking them alive, my wife, yes, he asked me. I laughed, picturing my seemingly perfect neighbors cooking a live goat. <laughs> what of course not. That'd be insane, but they get so loud sometimes. She was now very seriously thinking about it. She had a spaced-out look in her eyes. Goats are loud sometimes, honey, "'even when they're not being cooked alive,' I replied, chuckling. She thought about it for a little and nodded. "'What about the town hall? Don't you find it a bit bizarre?' She asked, suddenly sounding like a conspiracy theorist. "'I mean, yes, I do admit that the red is a bit over the top, "'but remember what the neighbors said.' The mayor loves the color red because he's a passionate man. The town hall had been built by the mayor and was a large, oval-shaped building, which would have probably been beautiful if it weren't for the loud, neon-red walls it bore. We were told that residents were not allowed inside without an invitation, and that it was heavily guarded. But then, what about the movies at the park? My wife continued. Yes, he did this often. "'Sometimes she was too curious for her own good. "'What about them?' "'Well, they always show up movies about love, triumph, and good things overall.' "'So?' "'So then, why do the people living here always seem so scared when they're watching them? "'I mean, who's scared of people saving each other? "'Or people falling in love?' "'Hmm,' I said, thinking back to the movie nights we had spent at the park.' She did have a point. The time we saw the Lion King, people seemed to giggle when Boor Simba tried to wake up the obviously dead Mufasa. And many did gasp when Scar died. I'm pretty sure I even heard someone crying for Scar. Okay, well, what are you getting at? I asked. I don't know, she answered, with an inquisitive look in her eye. Just something seems off sometimes. I shrugged my shoulders. Maybe, but it's a small town. Small towns can be creepy sometimes. Yessie finally stopped asking questions that night, but it wouldn't be long before she'd find the answers to questions she wished she wouldn't have asked. Yessie and I owned a graphics design company which allowed us to mostly work from home. But every once in a while, we did have to meet some of our customers. About a month into our tenure in Heavensville, we got a client that wanted to have a face-to-face meeting. This is when things began to unravel. Jesse and I drove out of town to meet our client, following the directions on her phone. But we quickly realized something was terribly wrong. Weird, Jesse said, looking down at her phone. I just don't understand. The directions she was giving me kept bringing us to exits that always led us back to Heavensville. How is this possible? I asked, frustrated by the fact we couldn't seem to be able to leave the town. After many failed attempts to leave, we stopped at a local gas station to ask for directions, but the clerk was not very helpful. Why do you want to leave, though? he asked, confused. What? I asked, even more confused. Look, I have a meeting for work, and I just need to get this address. How do I get out of Heavensville? Finally, frustrated with our questions, he threw up his hands in the air and said, You know what? The streets get messed up sometimes. They bug. The best place for you to get them fixed would be at the town hall. The folks there can help you. Feeling a bit spooked, but not really having another choice, Jesse and I drove down Angel's Road, which led directly to the central plaza and the town hall. We parked the car and walked toward the entrance. This was the first time we would be entering the opulent, oval, red town hall. We'd been told to stay away, but the clerk at the gas station said it was the best place for us to get help, so we decided it was a good enough excuse. "'Now look, here's the directory.' "'Yes,' he said, pointing at a large sign that greeted you at the entry. The directory made no sense. The incinerator, room 111. Amun, Room 123, Human Sources, Room 150, Miracles and Other Tricks, Room 251, Weapons and Strategies, Room 283, Possessions, Room 376, Baphomet, Room 399, Goats, Room 493, Infernal Spa, Room 555, The Mayor's Office, Room... 666, Portal to Hell, Room Minus 666. This must be some kind of joke, I said, chuckling at the cleverness. Yes, he didn't find it funny. I'm telling you, Jake, there's something off. As we walked past the sign, we could barely pick up our jaws from the floor. It was stellarly beautiful inside, with high ceilings, white pillars lining the hallways, tropical plants everywhere and elegant windows and decor, it really took us by surprise. We also noticed that it was not guarded at all. We walked over to a pair of red elevators, according to the sign. The mayor's office was on the sixth floor. The doors immediately opened and we walked inside. I was bobbing my head to the elevator music, which was very catchy, when the doors finally opened. The sixth floor... Bustled with people. There were many rows of cubicles with glass walls. People with headsets sat at their desks, monitoring graphs and maps on their screens. There were people walking around with stacks of paper. There were people on telephones. Everyone looked very busy, focused, and sharp. We noticed that there was a front desk, but there was a sign that said, Back in five minutes. Let's try to blend in. Yes, he whispered, pulling me by the arm. "'Wait, it's just to wait five minutes at the front desk,' I whispered back. "'Yessie winked at me and motioned for me to follow her, "'completely ignoring what I had just said. "'I had no choice but to follow her. "'She walked all the way down the floor until we reached a red door. "'Room 666. "'Are you going to knock?' "'I began to ask, but before I could finish my question, "'Yessie opened the door.' Sitting by a large circle-shaped window sat a tall man with black-rimmed glasses. He had his hair in a swooped pompadour and was dressed in a pristine white suit. It was on the phone. Yes, but we're slowly phasing out those types of possessions. The days of green vomit, urinating on folks, screaming like hyenas all that, they're long gone. I'm looking to invest into some of this new technology he said as he looked over his shoulder, sensing our presence. "'Shit!' I thought to myself, as he looked in our direction. "'Uh, listen, Bob, I gotta go, but get me the number for that priest, please. "'We're gonna need to get those idiots out of there as soon as possible. "'We don't want another mess like the girl in Germany.' "'Yeah, okay, thanks,' he said, hanging up the phone. "'He then swiveled his chair and looked at us. "'You folks lost?' He grinned, revealing a perfect smile. Are you the mayor of Heavensville? Yes, he spoke up with all the confidence I was suddenly lacking. I am, the mayor replied, smiling. Come in and have a seat. He motioned for us to sit down. Yes, he and I sat down on two large red chairs. What can I do for you today, he asked. Well, first, it's nice to finally meet you. Yessie replied, putting her hands down on his desk. I'm Yessie, and this is my husband Jake. We're new in town. Listen, we've been trying to exit the town for a while now, and I can't seem to be able to. The clerk at the gas station said the streets sometimes get wacky. What's that about? In fact, what's up with that directory downstairs? And actually, while I'm here, how come you guys love goats so much? Yessie? I said, pulling on her shirt, begging for her to stop with all the weird questions. I love movies, the mayor replied, smiling. That's what that was about. The phone call, I mean. You see, I have an idea from a movie about demons, and I was telling my agent about it. Oh, I said, laughing. Well, that explains that. I smiled. Yes, he did not. The mayor continued. "Can you imagine demons taking over the world? He burst out laughing. The laughing grew louder and louder until it was obvious it would be rude if we didn't join in. So, Yessie and I started laughing, too. We were all laughing loudly until the mayor suddenly didn't find it funny anymore. "'Well, it's not that ridiculous, guys,' he straightened his tie, adding. "'Demons could take over the world one day. Or not. Or they could. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe not.' Yessie and I cleared our throats.' "'No, well, well, I wouldn't know.' "'Yes,' he replied. "'My husband and I don't believe in make-believe.' "'I feigned a smile. "'What my wife means, Mr. Mayor,' I said, clearing my throat some more, "'is that we're both practicing atheists.' "'Practicing?' the Mayor asked, juggling. "'I didn't know you could practice a (laughs) non-religion.' "'No, I mean, I'm sorry I laughed. You're right. We're just atheists.' Well, now that you mention it, that is very strange, the mayor said, as he took a file out from his desk and started to look through its pages. Martha never picked up on your atheism, but that wouldn't be surprising, for being a clairvoyant, she's actually very bad at picking up on details. And you know what they say. He grinned, pointing his index finger at us. The devil's in the details, he winked. I nervously smiled. Yes, he did not. "'Well, listen here,' the mayor continued. "'It's okay. The atheism bit, I mean. "'I can see that you still meet a lot of the other good points.' He continued to shuffle through papers that I now understood had information about Yessie and I. says here you both donate every year to the Humane Society. "'It says you volunteer at the YMCA. "'It says you're both very kind and respectful. "'No traffic tickets, no criminal record.' He continued to read. "'Oh!' "'And you're both Canadians. Good for you.' "'I nodded, smiling some more and feeling pride. "'Yes, he did not. "'I don't understand,' yes, he asked. "'Oh, well, you didn't think we sold land and loaned money to just anyone, did you?' "'The mayor answered. "'We like to make sure the residents of Heavensville are good, upstanding folks. "'After all, it is Heavensville.' And you two seem like very good humans, or people. People. You two seem like very good people. The mayor paused for a moment before adding, So, about those directions, let me give you this map with directions here so that you can go on. I think some of the boards in the streets might be incorrect, but this map will show you how to... As he pulled out a map from the desk, a woman burst through the doors. I'm so sorry, Mr. Mayor. It's my fault that these two have been compromised. I apologize, sir. They didn't wait by the front desk. I was just taking a break in the incinerator and I left the sign and yet clearly they didn't follow the instructions. But don't worry. All is taken care of, sir. I've already called the people from the second floor to bring up the flamethrowers. The programmers fixed the bug on the portal this morning so it shouldn't be an issue getting them straight to hell after we burn them. I'll take care of it. And I'm very sorry once again, sir, but If it's any comfort to you, obviously, these two are not good humans, because they couldn't even follow simple instructions on a sign. The flamethrowers? Yes, he asked. Hell? I responded, no longer finding these quirks funny. Well, Cindy, it isn't any comfort, actually, because half of the families that come to Heavensville become compromised within a month or two thanks to dimwits like yourself. These two weren't compromised before, but now, after your little speech there, they are. So good job. Having to deal with your incompetence is beyond exhausting sometimes. You can go ahead and leave now, and cancel the flamethrowers. Also, can you tell them the streets are bugging again? It seems we've been disconnected from Earth again. Can you at least do that, or is that also too hard for you, Cindy? Cindy started crying and ran out of the room. Jesse and I turned back to face the mayor, who was now mumbling every damn time. He finally looked up at us again, nervously smiling. Look, I can explain. He hesitated, clearly not knowing where to begin. I'm just going to tell you straight, like it is, he finally said, taking a deep breath. Heavensville is a special place. On Earth, I mean. It's the headquarters for the most powerful company in the universe. Hell, Inc. Ever heard of it? We're pretty popular. Yes, he didn't answer. I shook my head. We own a lot of things, for example. Cats. Kittens, too. We own them all. They work for us, he proudly said, before his voice went down to a somber tone. We tried with dogs, but they're too good, those cute bastards. He got lost in his thoughts for a couple of seconds before continuing. So, as I was saying, I work with Fallen Angels. Cindy, the receptionist you just met, she's a Fallen Angel. Your neighbors, Fallen Angels. The folks out there working, they're all Fallen Angels. And part of what we do here at this headquarters is recruit humans so that we can learn from them. Why do you have to learn from humans? Yes, he asked, genuinely intrigued. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Exorcist. Well, we used to be pretty bad at possessions. You know, twisting the human body in unnatural ways, vomiting everywhere, speaking in languages no one ever understood. Complete waste of time, really. Not only did it bring us a ton of negative attention, but we were never able to achieve anything constructive. But then, one day, one of my most gifted fallen angels, we'll call him Steve, came up with a better idea. What if we possessed humans by acting as humanly as possible? They would never suspect us, and we could slowly take over the world. Well, as it turns out, it's the best way to possess people. It has completely changed our business model. Yessie and I sat wide-eyed in silence. I told you! Yessie suddenly screamed at me. I told you there was something weird going on! I, uh... I stumbled over my words. I don't know what to say. Well, listen here, guys. Don't take this as something bad. This is a good thing. In fact, this is probably the best opportunity you'll ever have in the entirety of your life. I mean, you're about to make a deal with the most powerful guy in the universe, he smiled, clearly speaking about himself. Wouldn't that be God? Yes, he asked, mockingly. This angered the mayor. "'No,' he scoffed. "'It's just a common misconception, "'as is the idea that he's a good guy. "'God is not a good guy. "'I'm a good guy. "'And aren't you an atheist anyway? "'Don't atheists not believe in God?' "'Touché.' "'Yes,' he nodded. "'So what's this deal you speak of?' "'I tugged at her shirt, "'attempting to get her to stop, "'but she shoved my hand out of the way. "'Well, see here.' You both are good folks and have a whole group of amateurs who need to learn to be more human. They're mostly your neighbors. Normally, they would learn by living in the same town as you, hence the idea for Heavensville. But since the whole plan has been exposed again, I have a better idea this time. It would be much easier if they could learn directly from you in a classroom setting. So, how would you like to teach a class of fallen angels how to be human? And by fallen angels, you mean demons? Yes, he asked. We prefer the term fallen angels. The mayor quickly corrected her. For how long? Yes, he asked. At this point, my mouth was hanging open in disbelief that Yes, he was actually considering this. One year, the mayor replied. What's in it for us? A guarantee of a beautiful and peaceful afterlife. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the afterlife. Well, the mayor replied, laughing, there is an afterlife, whether you believe in it or not. But okay, how about a lifetime job guarantee at any of the 500-plus companies that work for me? I'm talking about big-time corporations with seven-figure salaries, lots of power, lots of perks. Suddenly, my ears perked up. Yes, he looked over at me, and then back at the mayor. Deal, she said, extending her hand. The mayor smiled wide and laughed. She shook her hand before adding, And that's how you make a pact with the devil. Part 2 I'm almost certain I've killed someone. But let me back up a second. After my wife sat me down and convinced me there was no other way but to accept the deal the mayor offered, I agreed that it was the safest thing for us to do. I mean, can you really turn down Satan, knowing he has the power, to burn you into ashes right then and there? We each got one class of 55 students. Obviously, Humanology 101 was a very popular course to take in Heavensville. Being that I had never taught a class before in my life, I found it very difficult even if I was pretty good at the subject, you know, being human. Still, I tried my best, considering I didn't want to displease any of my students, considering the fact they were demons. So, welcome to Humanology 101. I thought we could start the class by introducing ourselves. I'll go first. My name's Jake, and I'm human. I've been a human for 36 years, most of which I lived in a country named Canada but I've been living here in the United States for about five years now. I mostly work with design and computers, but I also dabble in other human hobbies, such as guitar playing, hockey, and cooking. So, who wants to go next? How about you? I pointed at a young man sitting directly in front of me, who was sharply dressed, had short brown hair, hazel eyes, and a kind smile. He calmly stood up to introduce himself. My name is Asag, I'm uh, 10,527 years old. I lived in various places over the years, but now call Heavensville home. I love it here. For a living, I make people sick. In my true form, I'm so hideous that I can make anything boil alive from just looking at me. Especially fish, for some reason. For my hobbies, I enjoy possessing humans. In the past, I've gotten in trouble for it because I'm not very good at it but that's why I'm here. My goal is to possess a politician, like some of my friends have been able to do successfully. Either that or I'd like to possess a celebrity. That would be fine. The class eagerly clapped as I pondered which politicians he was speaking of. Can I go next? A woman sitting in the back answered. She wore a delicate silk-violet dress. Her movements were soft and landed with precision. Her hair was tied back into a sharp and shiny ponytail that ended in a perfect curl. Yes, go ahead. My name is Belphegor, a very long time ago. Lord Lucifer made me ambassador to France. I'd lived there for most of my life. I love brie, macaroons, and pain au chocolat. My hobbies include reading French novellas, trying out Michelin restaurants and suffering, watching. For a living, I reveal new discoveries or inventions to humans. In fact, I'm responsible for many inventions in the human world today. For example, I helped invent the guillotine with the purpose of widespread use in France. But my biggest success thus far has been to reveal to a certain man a small handheld gadget, Some of you might know it as a smartphone. My purpose was to slowly dumb down the human race so that they would be easier to possess. I impacted the earth in a tremendous way, so Lord Lucifer has awarded me with more powers over the years. And I'm about to learn more about humans. That's why I'm here. I'm not very interested in possessions, but Lord Lucifer has told me I should give it a try. "'The class gave her a standing ovation as I slowly tossed my iPhone in the trash can. "'The next introduction came from a young boy that couldn't have been older than five or six years old. "'He was a redhead with dozens of freckles on his small face. "'He wore a white button-up shirt with jean overalls "'and could almost call him adorable if it weren't for the fact that he was a demon. "'Hey, guys, I'm Ball. "'I'm one of the most worshipped demons by humans.' I'm the Duke of Hell. I lead 66 legions of demons. I really enjoy feasting on human suffering and pain, the kind that causes them to harm themselves or harm others around them. I love to hide in the dark, behind doors or in the walls, from which I can jump on humans and watch them squirm as they try to pry my claws off of them. I like to eat them, too, complete with their souls. I'm here because I really want to cause some pain on Earth. Hey, teach! "'I'm looking forward to your class. Don't let us down.' "'I swallowed all the saliva that accumulated in my mouth from the nerves "'as I obediently nodded to Ball. "'The rest of the introductions left me in an existential crisis. "'My students were evil, "'and their sole purpose was to rid the world of its humanity. "'Somehow I got through half of the year.' There was a lot of vomiting in the mornings before class. There were a ton of nightmares on most nights. But I got through most of it relatively unscathed, until the second half of the course. Rotations During rotations, I would teach on one day, but on the next, one student would be allowed to possess me for a day and try to act like me. But the truth is, most demons are a lost cause. They just want to have fun and rarely take things seriously. Some mornings I woke up with severe pain in my muscles, all from the deformities they'd twisted me into. Other days I woke up halfway across the world and I'd have to board a plane back to Evansville. The only nice possession was from the ambassador of France. I woke up in a beautiful Parisian hotel overlooking the Eiffel Tower. The room was filled with all sorts of cheeses, pastries, and wine. It was pretty nice considering I'd never been to France before but I had a few rotations that were downright awful. On more than one occasion, I woke up with a strange taste in my mouth like I had eaten something raw. There was blood on my clothing and under my nails. I had scratches on my limbs, as if someone had tried to fight me off. When I'd get to class, the demons would snicker, asking me if I was a cannibal. So yeah, I'm pretty sure I've killed some people. The rotations went on for a while, and there was nothing I could do about it. What impressed me was Yessie's determination to make the best of things. She was having a much easier time with her classes, and even with her rotations. She was really getting through to the demons. She was always better than me at most things, and this was not an exception. One day in class, I was discussing the chapter of love with my students. Why do you say that? I asked the student, who claimed that love was Satan's greatest tool and the biggest human weakness? Well, love creates jealousy. Love creates obsession. Love can make you sick. Love sometimes even causes psychotic breaks which end in fatalities. I mean, if used correctly, love is one of the best tools for Lucifer to use against humans. Interesting point, I replied. "'realizing that practically anything could be turned to be used against humans. "'A knock on the door interrupted my thoughts. "'A figure with a human body and a goat's head "'slowly opened the door and walked into our classroom. "'At this point, nothing seemed abnormal to me anymore. "'Guys, uh, we're going to need to evacuate the building,' the goatman said. "'My class moaned. I was proud. "'For once they seemed to be enjoying my course.' Listen, this is a very serious matter. The portal to hell has been breached, and it's not looking very good. They're saying that a chunk of Earth could fall right into it, causing widespread destruction itself inside hell. What about Earth? I asked, suddenly worried. Well, that's the only good thing. We would cause destruction on Earth, but the destruction of hell outweighs the benefit, so we need to stop the breach, the goatman replied. But why do we need to evacuate the building? We're in the middle of a class. Ball protested. Because it seems the breach came from inside the building. We've got a mole. The mayor thinks that God has a mole in here who's been feeding information to his hackers over at Heaven's Inc. This is a big deal, guys. This would mean God is breaching the peace treaty of the Battle of the Burning Slough. The goatman replied. Wait, wait a second. You're saying God has hackers in a place called Heaven's Inc., and these hackers got into Hell Inc. system and have now caused a breach into the portal to Hell? I laughed for the first time in ages. Why would God even want to damage Earth? He doesn't. He's an idiot. He never knows what he's doing. Everything he does has bugs and viruses in it. This is just another one of his idiotic plans. Well, that explains a lot, I thought to myself. They made us exit the town hall and stand outside on the lawn as they checked the entire building for bugs and evidence. As I stood there, waiting for news, I saw Yessie walking rapidly towards me. She grabbed me by the arm and dragged me away. What are you doing? I asked. What's going on? They're on to me, Jake, she said, stopping for a second. On to you? I'm so sorry. I've been lying to you for a while. I'm not really Yessie, she calmly stated. I don't understand. Yessie allowed me to enter her body many years ago. My real name is Ariel, and I'm an angel. I'm the mole, and we need to get out of here before they figure it out. Part 3 Let me begin by telling you that I consider myself a Satanist now. But, once again, let me back up to give you some details before you judge me. When I found out that Jesse was an angel named Ariel, who had been working with God all along, I was relieved. I assumed that all my problems would be fixed, and that I wouldn't have to deal with demons and possessions anymore. But you know what they say, Satan is full of surprises. The angel, Ariel, insisted that we needed to go to God, "'so that he could help protect us and to sort everything out. "'I had no reason to think otherwise. "'Ariel drove us a couple hours away from Heavensville to a Dunkin' Donuts. "'I didn't know you liked donuts. "'You always seem to hate sweets,' I said, surprised. "'She'd taken this place for a snack. "'No,' she replied, getting out of the car. "'There's a portal to heaven here.' "'Of course,' I thought to myself. "'Makes sense.' We walked inside, all the employees seemed to know her, as she made her way to the back of the Dunkin' Donuts, grabbing a Boston Cream Donut on the way. "'Do all these humans have angels living inside them?' I asked. Ariel nodded. "'Do the humans know?' Ariel shook her head. "'Only a few of them, know, she said, taking note of my train of thought. "'But yes,' he knew. "'And you never actually met her. "'It's always been me.' This made me feel in an immense sadness. My marriage had meant nothing. Are these considered possessions, I asked? Well, Ariel tilted her head and squinted her right eye. I guess you could call it that, but that word is mostly reserved for the demons. That's a bit hypocritical, I thought to myself as I looked back at my arranged marriage to an angel. Finally, Ariel stopped in front of the storage room door. She turned back and looked me straight in the eye before opening the door. "'Jake, we're about to enter Heaven's Ink. I have to warn you, God is not like the mayor. He's not like Lucifer. Please be respectful and behave. Remember that you'll be in the presence of your creator, and there is a certain reverence you owe him.' I suddenly felt very nervous. I was about to meet THE God. I nodded my head to "'Ariel.' She turned back around, twisted the doorknob as she opened the gateway to Heaven's Ink. I had imagined rays of light immediately breaking through a floor of puffy, soft clouds. I'd imagined angelic strings playing in the background as the pearly gates slowly opened into a city of eternal bliss. But instead, the door simply opened into a storage room in the back of a Dunkin' Donuts. Noticing my disappointment, Ariel asked, What's wrong? "'Um, I paused, sheepishly rubbing the back of my neck. "'I just thought it would look different. "'She promised in a disappointed agreement. "'Tell me about it. "'Heaven's Inc. has been under construction for thousands of years. "'Not even us angels have been able to take a peek at the promised land.' "'She seemed sad and continued. "'All right, stand in the corner because I need to summon God, "'and he tends to like to make an entrance.' I stepped back, getting ready to meet my maker. I was nervous until I saw Ariel take the Boston Cream Donut and wave it in the air while speaking a language I didn't understand. Is she really summoning God with a donut right now? I thought to myself. Suddenly, light started to slowly break through the white wall as a luminous circle emerged. The light was completely blinding. I had to cover my eyes and face and look away. It was unpleasant, to be completely honest. When it finally toned down, I noticed Ariel bowing down, so I immediately did the same. I looked up at Ariel a couple of times, wondering when we would get back up, as it was getting quite long and my back was still hurting from all the distortions my body had gone through during the demonic possessions. But the reverence went on for quite a while. Finally, the light completely disappeared, and Ariel straightened back up. I followed suit. God was incredibly tall. His hair lightly rubbed against the ceiling. He had many muscles, some that didn't make anatomical sense. He had perfect, unblemished skin and remarkably handsome features. He sported a hipster's beard and a tight white T-shirt with a pair of jeans. I wouldn't be able to tell you his ethnic background, as it was mixed enough as to become indecipherable. "'My dear Ariel,' he said in a low tone. "'You always know how to get me to appear.' He softly took the donut from her hand and started to munch on it. "'Yes, my lord,' Ariel replied before changing subjects. "'My lord, my cover has been blown over at Heavensville, Inc. headquarters on Earth.' God continued to devour the donuts, spilling cream all over his beard. More importantly, there's been a breach in the portal to hell which has placed a piece of earth in danger. And to add to all this, Jake's life is also in danger now. God was still very busy, licking all his fingers and sucking on some of the hairs on his beard to get all the cream that had spilled from the donut. To be frank, it was quite disgusting. Noticing that I was unimpressed... Ariel feigned a smile and softly shrugged her shoulders at me as we both waited in silence for God to finish his donut and to address us. First of all, God finally began clearing his throat. The breach wasn't really my fault. The hackers obviously didn't follow my instructions correctly, but they've been taken care of. They've all fallen into hell as of this morning. Second, at this point... A little human cleansing wouldn't be such a terrible idea, so I don't really see what the issue here is. He wiped his mouth before letting out a rather loud belch. And third, this human here, Jake, he's an atheist, and he has insulted me. When he was 16 years old, he said, and I quote, Fuck oh guy, If he's so good, why didn't he stop the prequel Star Wars movies from happening? Fuck him. He's a dick. "'He doesn't even exist. "'As he was quoting me, "'you ain't even so far as to speak "'in my own teenaged voice. "'God cleared his throat and added, "'He deserves no mercy from me.' "'I was profusely sweating by this point, "'completely embarrassed by my actions as a teenage boy. "'I noticed that Ariel looked over at me with pity. "'But, sir, with all due respect, "'we're all angels.' and we protect your creations. You are his father. He is your son. You have a duty to protect him, she insisted, begging God for help. God simply laughed at her. I can't protect someone who doesn't believe in me. You mean someone who doesn't worship you, Ariel blurted out, changing the tone of her voice. You know what? That's it. I'm tired of all this. You should be ashamed of yourself, sir. A thunderous sound suddenly came out of the mouth of God, as if he opened it in anger. He stomped his foot, and the ground began to shake. I fell to the ground, hitting my pinky finger on one of the shelves. I heard it crack as the small bone inside of it broke. I yelped out in pain and tremendous fear. God resembled a monster at this point. After a couple of minutes, the ground slowly calmed down and God stopped screaming out thunder. How dare you speak to me like this? He asked, his voice human again. How dare you tell me that I'm shameful? How dare you do all of these things? I will have you sent directly to Hell, Inc., you blasphemous angel. Ariel's face changed. She helped pick me up and softly touched my finger with her hand, removing all the pain. You know what? Ariel asked God. You can do whatever you want. I'm Done with you. I'm tired of you messing up everything you touch. All you care about is creating things so that they can worship and adore you, and if they don't, you punish them. I mean, is there anyone or anything more self-centered in this universe than yourself? Your narcissism always gets the best of you, just like the time you cast away your smartest and brightest angel. And what happened then? He created Hell Inc. to spite you. So essentially you created hell due to your selfishness and need to be adored and worshipped. God suddenly became defensive, his skin turning a bright red color. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. You've read the wrong history books, Missy. Oh yeah, Ariel asked mockingly. How about this? Where is heaven? How come no one has ever seen it? Why do you continue lying to humans by making them believe that, if they worship you, there will be a beautiful afterlife waiting for them when, in reality, all there is, at this moment, is a severely overcrowded purgatory where human souls float in confusion for eternity? What? I asked, shot. God didn't reply and instead began to whistle as he looked at his fingernails. You want to know what I think? Ariel continued. I think heaven is no longer under construction. In fact, I think heaven was finished a very long time ago, and you've been keeping it all to yourself because you truly are the most self-centered being in the universe. And this is why we keep having to meet you in storage closets and bathroom stalls and abandoned hospitals. This is why human souls are stuck in an eternal purgatory. And I'm not the only one who thinks this, by the way. "'There are plenty of other angels to back up my feelings.' "'God, tired of Ariel's accusations, finally had enough. "'He looked at her and said, "'You know what? You really want to know what?' "'But he didn't have much else to say after that, "'which led me to believe Ariel's accusations were most likely true. "'He continued, "'I'm the Almighty God. You are a blasphemous angel.' who doesn't know what worshipping God means. And, and you're a stupid, idiotic, dumb cunt. Before God could finish his sentence, he snapped his fingers. I screamed in protest as Ariel and I tumbled together through the dark abyss, hoping God wasn't sending us into purgatory. I was still screaming when I felt Ariel softly patting me on the back, saying, It's okay, it's okay, you can relax now, Jake. We're in hell. Ariel was a good angel, but she now had been cast into hell to become a fallen angel, also known as a demon. The mayor was ecstatic to have another fallen angel in his legions, especially such a powerful one as Ariel, and this is when I came to realize Hellrink itself was overpopulated with angels that had been cast away from Heaven's Ink by an unforgiving and overzealous God. In fact, due to his constant removal of angels from Heaven's Ink, hell itself was undergoing a tremendous change, and Satan, or the mayor, seems to welcome it with open arms, because, as it turns out, he too was one of those angels once. Now, I'm not saying Satan is perfect. There are certainly some demons, like the ones that attended my class, whose sole purpose is to cause harm and pain in human souls. But the fallen angels who live in Hell's Ink are mostly good. Satan was once one of those angels, and still carries a touch of that inside him. He's not as self-centered as the god I met. After he finished fixing the breach, he didn't even punish Ariel and I for seeking help from God. He's actually quite forgiving, and Hell is not such a terrible place when you get to share it with millions of good fallen angels. I now know that there is a God. I know that there is a heaven. But I also know that God is keeping heaven all to himself, on top of enjoying the adoration of his followers. Instead, he sends all human souls into a limbo of darkness for eternity. And if that isn't worse than hell, I don't know what is. What petrifies me the most is the idea that a vast majority of Earth's population worships God. What terrifies me most is that most of these human souls will end up in an overcrowded, dark place with a broken promise from a deity whose vanity and ego will never allow him to share the eternal bliss that he is capable of creating. So now I'm a Satanist, and I, I hope that when I die... I end up in hell.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. which means you can take care of just about any home project and just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too.
1: Up next, we continue where that tale left off with the second installment in the series. But first, I'd like to talk to you about a subject that is very important to me. To help illustrate things, let me tell you a terrifying true story, if I may. Uh, When I was still living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I lived for 22 years, uh, the area I lived in was, well, let's just say it wasn't the uh, safest area. And uh, when you watch the news each night... Um, well, the first ten minutes was all about uh, the nightly murders and shootings and such, of which uh, there were far too many, and there were also a lot of break-ins and things, uh, which was uh, a little bit stressful to say the least. So, getting something like Simply Safe as a system, it was a no-brainer. It's what you really need to get. So, when something like that happens to you, and you experience a whole gamut of emotions. It can leave you feeling vulnerable and paranoid. There are dozens of words to describe fear. Alarm, the willies, the heebie-jeebies, panic. Countless names for the same awful sense of dread we're sometimes overcome with. And as a fan of my show, you're all too familiar with these feelings. But for those of you in the audience, most of the time, those feelings are all in good fun. And those scratching sounds you hear outside your bedroom window are nothing but the wind. But every now and again, it might just be something else. Luckily for you and I, there may be many words to describe terror and horror, but today, there's just one for an exceptional home security company that's made it their mission to stop fear at your front door. Simply safe. Simply safe is home security that knows it feels good to fear less. This is an award winning 24 7 protection that protects your home through it all. Through blizzards, blackouts, and burglars. Simply Safe has won awards from all the tech experts that count. The Verge calls it the best home security. It won Reader's Choice from PC Magazine. It's a two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice. And a Wirecutter top pick. And the folks at Simply Safe are so confident you won't regret putting the safety of your home and family in their capable hands that they have no contract, no hidden fees, and no gotchas. Unlike the tales I tell, there are no twist endings with SimpliSafe. Just prices that are fair and honest. Thanks to Safe, fear has no place in a place like home. Try Safe with free shipping and free returns. You'll get a 60-day risk-free trial, too. Order now and have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com slash told to get started today. That's simplysafe.com slash told. Be sure to go there so they know we sent you. SimplySafe.com slash told. Now, dim your lights. And have your safety blanket handy. Another sinister story's coming right up. <laughs> Our second story today comes to us again from Sandra Varela and picks up roughly where the first installment, which you just heard, left off. I present to you Jesus 2.0. The first thing I noticed about him was his shaggy, champagne colored hair that reached down to his shoulders and how it contrasted against his dark brown skin. He smiled, looking at me with his sleepy eyes. "'I'm Chus Dominguez,' he said, extending his soft hand towards me. "'According to his file, the kid had lived a life filled to the brim with the worst of luck. "'Still, his sleepy eyes were cheerful and tender as he introduced himself. "'I already liked him.' "'A meal, I replied enthusiastically. "'Your new foster dad.' "'I smiled wide, hoping to look welcoming.' In our first month, I learned that choose, loved wearing tie-dye t-shirts, ripped pairs of jeans, and John Lennon-inspired sunglasses. He was a huge fan of all things Michael Jackson. And each time he spoke, it was like a song, always ending on a pleasing note. His charming demeanor and whimsical charisma won over every person he met. I truly believed I had lucked out because... I'd been told teenagers were the hardest to foster, but my choose well, he was grand. Choose impressed his teachers at school with his encyclopedia-like knowledge, acing his first science project when he used a chemical reaction to turn water into wine. Since his grades were good, I allowed him to take an after-school job. He managed to get a job as a carpenter's helper, and with his salary he made donations to the local homeless shelter. On weekends, he volunteered at the Humane Society. I mean, I really couldn't complain. The kid was pretty spectacular. One evening, as I passed by his room, I heard him and his best friend, Tia Krintz, giggling. I thought nothing of it until I smelled something familiar in the air. Slightly worried, I popped my head in the door. "'Guys, everything all right?' I asked. "'I saw Chew's hiding something inside his mouth, not able to reply. "'Tia, also holding something in her mouth, turned a pallid white. "'I knew what it was. (laughs) "'Guys, relax,' I said, sighing and chuckling. "'It's okay. It's legal in this state, but technically not for you guys. "'So just do it at home. No driving or going outside, okay?' Shoes and Tia immediately burst into laughter, releasing all the smoke from their mouths into the air. I laughed all the way to my room, where I reminisced about the days I used to get high with my friends back in high school myself. What a wonderful time the 60s had been. I was dozing off to sleep when I heard them again, this time in the kitchen. I assumed it was a classic case of the munchies, so I walked down the stairs to show them where all the goods were. As I walked towards the kitchen, I inadvertently overheard the conversation. "'But have you actually spoken to him lately?' Tia asked choose Choose gloomily replied, "'It's been at least a century since I last spoke to him. "'But I think he knows where I am, or if he doesn't yet, he'll figure it out soon enough.' "'I'm assuming they were reenacting a scene from a movie.' Thea continued, "'Well, if our plan goes through, "'you'll only have to speak to him once more, "'and then you can live happily ever after, for eternity. "'Imagine that!' "'I just feel bad,' Chuse replied. "'About using Mio. "'This is the first time in my entire long life "'that I'll be using a human for my own selfish need.' "'Use me? For what?' I thought to myself, quietly standing behind the wall of the kitchen. Oh, stop it, Tia replied, annoyed. You're literally the most selfless soul in this universe. It's okay to take care of your own needs once in a lifetime. Feeling disappointed and slightly frightened, I silently walked back to my room. I tried not to think about the conversation I'd overheard between Tia and Chew's, but soon enough things started to crumble down for me. First my car was vandalized. Then my identity was stolen. But things got worse. By the end of the month, I'd lost my job and had an awful case of pneumonia. At this point I was starting to get worried as I had to take care of Chew's needs, not just mine. I searched and searched for a new job online, but received no replies. Worse, I could barely breathe as my pneumonia grew scarier and scarier in spite of all the medications and medical visits. It's all my fault. Choose sheepishly said to me one evening. I coughed into a napkin, some blood staying behind on it. What do you mean? Of course it's not. No, it is. It's my fault. I know who's doing all of this. It's my father. He's doing it to punish me, he replied, tightening his shoulders. Okay, I said, puzzled. Christmas is right around the corner, and on Christmas, we tell the truth, he began. I picked you, Mio. I chose you because I knew what a good guy you've been your whole life. Attempting to foster a child is a clear example of your altruism. You're selfless, and I love that about you. "'I continued to listen. "'You don't deserve all the misery that's befallen under you. "'This is happening to you because he knows I'm here with you, "'and I've tried to stop it. "'I've tried to help you, but he's stronger than I am. "'And I'm sorry, but I needed your help. "'You see, my father, he's a very controlling man.' "'Chu said, looking down at his hands.' I was completely lost, thinking the pneumonia was blocking me from making sense of everything he was telling me. Chuse continued, I don't think you'll believe me until you see it for yourself. I'm going to need you to come with me. Would you come with me, Miel? I noticed his eyes glistening as they filled with tears. Where? I asked. To see my father, the one who created me. He replied, Chews drove us out an hour away to a secluded beach, where he walked me to the edge of the water. I assumed that he had set up a meeting at the beach with his father behind my back. At the point, uh, the pneumonia was so severe that all I could say was yes to everything. Chews, do you think uh, on the way back we could stop at the pharmacy for... Before I could finish my sentence, I noticed a man approaching us. This wasn't just any man. He was a giant. He was a brawny man, strong and powerful, with muscles protruding from his body like mountains on a valley. He wore a pair of unreasonably tight black swim trunks that highlighted everything. His massive legs looked like they could crush any living creature with a single misstep. His thick skin was evenly bronzed and looked recently oiled. His hair, slightly wet from the ocean, shined and moved in the wind, like in a Pantene commercial. Hello, Father. I heard Chews say, I couldn't believe that Chews, the shaggy-haired, scrawny kid, had come from this colossal giant whose shadow in the sand was three times the size of me. "'Hello?' he answered in a husky voice. "'It's been a while, and I see you've brought a friend.' Feeling completely inadequate, I managed a wimpy... uh, "'Hi!' before bending over as I coughed up a storm. His father barely acknowledged me. "'So, you're going to pretend you don't know Mio?' After everything you put him through? Choose, asked him. His father broke out into a loud and intimidating laughter, revealing perfect teeth. So you've gone looking for a new father. You don't remember the last time you had a human father. He laughed some more. I was a bit confused by his choice of words. Male how long have you been his father? His father suddenly asked me. About six months, I said, trying to hold some more coughs I could feel building up inside me. Oh, six months? Wow. Because I've been doing this for thousands of years, and he's still a giant puzzle to me. His father replied, dismissing me with his hands. "'Okay,' (laughs) I answered, feigning laughter. "'Let's not get sarcastic now. "'I've been with him for a little over six months, and it's been going great. "'Now, I don't know how he ended up in foster care, and I'm not here to judge you, but—' "'Judge me?' his father suddenly asked, sounding scorned. "'Of course you're not here to judge me. "'I'm the one who does all the judging.' "'Wow.' Okay, I replied, getting annoyed. Listen, I think you need to drop it down a notch with your condescending attitude, sir. Once again, I don't know what issues you have. What issues I have? His father asked me sarcastically. You don't know the half of it. And I mean that, literally. This son of mine created half a book worth of lies in my name. I... I don't follow. I replied. I looked over at Chew's, who was now rapidly blinking, and forming beads of sweat over his forehead. There's a book. About me. It's the highest-selling book worldwide. You should read it sometime, but only the first part. His father added sarcastically. Noticing I still had no idea what he was talking about, he sucked his teeth and said, you people are truly clueless. You don't get it. I made men and women. The skies, the oceans, the animals, the stars in this universe. And I even made your mom. I made everything. And all I ever asked for in return was for you, smarty creations, to use your God-given brains to worship and adore your creator. He paused, closing in on me. I am your father. I am everyone's father. Because I am God. Okay, this guy is completely nuts. I thought to myself, laughing out loud, causing me to have another coughing fit. His father stared at me as I struggled to regain my composure. But before I could, he tapped me on the shoulder and said... "'Watch this.' He placed his hands over my chest and shoved me down to the ground. "'Hey, hey,' I said, slowly getting back up. "'There's no need to get violent. "'Violence only.' I stopped in the middle of my sentence, noticing the immediate change that had occurred inside me. The pain in my chest was gone. The scratchy feeling inside my throat, gone. The chills... "'Gone. The pounding headache. Gone.' "'The pneumonia had disappeared. "'How did you... what did you... how is that? "'I asked, pointing at him, and then back at me, and then back at him again. "'I'm God, remember?' he repeated. "'I looked over at choose who simply shrugged his shoulders and nodded. "'Now listen. "'Here's what we're going to do. "'God said, "'My son here will be coming with me, "'and I will spare your life "'and give you back your health, "'your car, your job, "'and whatever else I took, "'because, quite frankly, "'I did get a little jealous "'watching the two of you canoodling. "'I'm not coming with you,' "'Choose finally said, "'breaking a silence. "'Wait. "'If he's God, "'and you're his son,' "'Does that make you?' I asked, doing the math in my head. "'Choose?' nodded. "'Yeah, about that. My name is Choose, which in Spanish is short for Jesus.' I stood there in shock, remembering all his quirks I had noticed, his kindness, his empathy, his intelligence, his carpentry skills his ability to turn water into wine. How did I not see it before? Noticing my confusion, Chuse added, of Nazareth, for clarification. Still, I stood frozen, going through some sort of existential crisis. Oh, come on! God suddenly exclaimed. Are you serious? Now you're impressed? Now you're speechless? I literally just told you I am God, and then cured you from pneumonia. But is this guy being Jesus what impresses you? I, uh, uh, no, uh, I'm sorry, I just couldn't figure out a way to explain my natural reaction. God slammed his enormous fists on the ground, making the sand vibrate beneath us. This is why I detest humans. They worship anything that slightly impresses them. Elvis, the internet, the Kardashians. I mean, I sent my son, Jesus, to spread my word, and then what do they do? They make up an entire new religion based off from him, complete with the biggest holiday on earth included. Paganism. Paganism everywhere. I was only trying to help. Jesus replied indignantly. I felt bad for Jesus. His father was clearly jealous of him. Oh, you were only trying to help. "'God,' repeated mockingly, "'do you think it helped me "'when you claimed that all sins would be forgiven "'and absolved by me, if humans simply repented? "'Do you think you helped me when you claimed "'that anyone could make it into the heavens "'as long as they claimed my name at their deathbed?' "'No, you didn't help. "'You made all of that stuff up "'and made a mockery out of my regime.' You and your incompetent, forgiving ways have gotten us nowhere. Jesus quickly replied, What was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to allow you to continuously punish human souls for every tiny, small action that you consider a sin? This is my universe, and I am its God. Therefore, only I can decide what is a sin or not. Only I get to decide the difference between good and evil. Jesus looked over at me. You know, you shouldn't worship God. Not if you want to end up living inside a marble. He paused. That's what he does. He keeps all the souls inside little marbles so that he can easily count them and know exactly how many souls he owns. And inside the marbles gives them the illusion of what he considers to be eternal bliss, which is really just stale Boston cream donuts and room-temperature soda along with reruns of Gilligan's Island. That's heaven, according to him." Oh my God, I answered, petrified. Don't use my name in vain. God prettily replied, ignoring Jesus' accusations. I'm so sorry, I immediately replied. Don't say sorry to a murderer, Jesus provocatively said. He had me tortured. Men tore through my tendons, nerves, and wrists, nailing me to a wooden cross I had to carry myself. Do you know what it feels like to carry on your back for miles the device that will be ultimately used to murder you? The physical agony I endured was unforgivable. But worse than that... He made me carry the weight of all human sins on my back for hundreds of years. There is no bigger weight than that. You guys do sin a lot. The suffering I went through during that period in my life has left me with traumas that I still struggle with today. God laughed. I don't care. The truth is, I stopped caring about you 2,000 years ago when you began spreading false sermons and false messages about who I am and what they must do. Let me be clear with you. I do not forgive. Ever. I do not care. Ever. And I'll be honest, I feel no guilt about anything I've done because I am God. I have no remorse. From the time I... Convinced Abraham to kill his children. I have no remorse for ordering the death of children in Egypt. I have no remorse for the time I suffocated and drowned all humans on earth, leaving only Noah and his family behind. So to be completely clear, I have no remorse for what I had done to you. And do you know why? Jesus' eyes filled with tears again. Because I created it all. I am the Almighty. There is nothing greater than me. And whether you like it or not, I'm still your father. God replied, his eyes bigger than ever. Oh, my God. I said, scared shitless. You've used my name in vain again, me, God said, turning to me. "Uh, I'm so sorry, God, I really am. It's a habit of mine. I quickly replied, realizing what type of god I was facing. Oh, for God's sake! Jesus suddenly screamed. Do you really care to insult this god? The reason he's collecting souls is because there are other gods in other universes, and they have this ridiculous competition going about who can collect the most souls in 1.3 billion years. There is no eternal bliss. It'll all be over in 1.3 billion years. Earth, humans, this universe. It'll all disappear, and then he'll move on to something else. He always does. Oh my God. I said again, idiotically, not realizing I had used his name in vain again. That's it. You quit using my name in vain for stupid human expressions. God suddenly screamed at me. Uh, "'Yes, I'm so sorry,' I exclaimed, falling down to my knees, begging for mercy. "'God seemed to be pleased seeing me on my knees. "'No, get up!' "'Jesus suddenly ran over to me, picking me up from the ground. "'I will not allow this any longer. "'God, I denounce you as my father. "'That's why I came here in the first place. "'I came to tell you you are no longer my father. "'Meo here?' He is my real father. I no longer love you. I no longer adore you. I no longer worship you. I love Mio, a true good soul, and I'm here to say goodbye. I had heard about God's fury before, but had never seen its true powers. Jesus' words to his father clearly broke something inside him. The last thing I remember was God exploding into a burning bright light. After that, the world around me disappeared as darkness set in. I felt an avalanche of fear installed inside me, as if I had downloaded it directly into my soul. I felt helpless, lonely, pain, heartbreak, tremendous suffering. I can't explain with words what it felt like, but I just wanted to disappear into the darkness and to never exist again. I cried out in agony only to be surrounded by my echoing screams. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, I dozed off. When I woke up, a man sat by my bedside holding my hand. I didn't recognize him at first. He was slim with shaggy champagne-colored hair. that reached down to his elbows. Remember me? "'Jesus of Nazareth.' He broke into that infectious smile of his. "'I felt safe again. "'Where are we?' "'I asked him, noticing all the red furniture and red walls in the room. "'Don't be scared,' he said, pausing. "'We are in a place called Heavensville. "'But don't be fooled by its name. It's not Heaven. "'It's actually the headquarters for Hell's Inc. on Earth.' We are in the home of Lucifer. What? I said, a rush of fear suddenly running through my body. No, Jesus replied, noticing my reaction. You can relax. It was on purpose. Let me explain. I've been trying to get here for thousands of years, even before my first arrival to Earth. But you can't just enter hell. You have to be cast into it by God. Only he decides who comes here. So I had to figure out a way to get here. And my friend, Tia, helped me come up with the plan of making my father jealous enough so that he would finally cast me into hell. Tia? Isn't Tia Krinst, your best friend from school? I asked, remembering the young teenage girl with the heavy black eyeliner, Jesus, nodded. Yes, Tia crinced. You might know her better as her anagram name. She's the daughter of Lucifer. She's the Antichrist. I was feeling even worse by then. Look, you have to understand. God has only used me. I only realized it after getting back from Earth the first time. And Tia was there for me. And we fell in love. But as much as I tried to convince my father to accept our relationship, he opposed it because he's a jealous god, and he has always been jealous of his greatest creation, Lucifer. So, of course, I was not allowed to date his daughter. And, of course, he gave her the title of the Antichrist. I guess I can't judge you, I replied, sitting up, God is very unpleasant. Yes, Jesus replied. I hope you can understand my choices. And as for you, there's no need to worry about getting back home. There's a portal here on earth in the town hall. It's going through some technical difficulties right now, but they should have it up and running soon and you'll get to go home. What about you? Where will you go? Oh, well, Lucifer has been kind enough to give me an office and a home here in Evansville, And as it turns out, I have a lot of angel buddies of mine living here. God casts millions of angels to hell per year due to their insubordination. So we have a little heaven neighborhood within hell filled with fallen angels. I, I don't know. I feel like I can change some things around here. Some of the demons seem incorrigible, but others seem open-minded. Even Lucifer himself, he's not such a bad guy. I think there's a ton of room for improvement. And I think I'm just the guy for the job. (laughs) Wow, I replied. That's a complete change of dynamic, (laughs) I laughed. Jesus of Nazareth, demon of Bethlehem. Jesus laughed hysterically. I love that. I think I'm going to use it. Someone knocked on the door, slowly cracking it open. The portal's ready. Said a figure with a human body and a goat's head. Time for him to go home. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Simply Safe, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can try Simply Safe with free shipping and free returns. You'll get a 60-day risk-free trial too. Order now and have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com/told to get started today. That's simplysafe.com/told. Be sure to go there so they know we sent you. simplysafe.com/told. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program, and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep. If you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Chieri. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Javi channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at... Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review in a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs-up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>